Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Six seconds to go. Comes in the Tucker. Ewing sets a screen. The shot is off. Loose ball. Ewing goes up. The basket counts. Everybody, to another episode of Strick and Roll. I'm your host, Schwenifer, and this is episode 46. I'm coming to you all on my own today, uh, a solo pod, and uh, we will be, or I will be, discussing uh, quickly, manual quickly, not getting an extension. Uh, the extension deadline passed yesterday uh, on Monday, September 23rd at 6 p.m. Uh, the Knicks and Quickly did not come to an agreement, so he will play out this season uh, on his $4.1 million salary uh, and enter restricted free agency next summer, wherever that is. Even if he did get traded this season, he would still enter restricted free agency next summer. Um, and that's just what it is. Uh, but before we get started, do have to make a few announcements. The first week, Strickland has an Instagram. Check that out. That is at the Strickland on Instagram. Plus, all kinds of new content on there. Strickland also has a YouTube channel where you may be watching the podcast. If you are and you have not done so already, Please hit like, leave us a comment, and then subscribe to the channel. That would be a huge help to us. The Strickland also has merchandise. I'm wearing some of it right here. Uh, you can find that on our website at www.thestrick.land. When you go there, there will be a link that will take you to the merchandise store. You can find all kinds of cool stuff on there. T-shirts, sweatshirts, hats, coffee mugs, water bottles, you name it. We've got it. Again, you can find that on our website. And then finally, the Strickland has a Patreon, which you can subscribe to. There are a number of different tiers. There's a $6 tier that gives you access to Pod Strickland. The podcast that I host every Friday with Prez. You also get access to Takes from Ivy's Bozos, our newest show, where the two hosts, Andrew Steele, aka Doug, and Zach, take your takes from our Discord in our Bozos channel, and they grade your takes. Uh, so that is for your consumption now on the six dollar tier, and you also get access to the Strickland Discord, where the conversation never stops. There are further tiers. There is a nine dollar tier that gets you access to Strick and Roll. My solo pod right here, where I rant and rave about the next even more. You also get access to wonderful premium articles by Matthew Miranda, one of the best in the business. And now you get access to Strictly NFL, our newest podcast. It is, you guessed it, an NFL podcast that is hosted by Constantine and Jeffrey Rasmussen, who you know as Frank Barrett 119 on Twitter. There are further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and $100 tier. Those come with a variety of additional benefits like listening on pod recordings, merchandise discounts, and even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly one day, whether you choose to subscribe or not. None of this would be possible without you. And none of this would be possible without Bet Online. The last of the major pro sports leagues kicks off this week, and Bet Online is your top spot for all your NBA action this season. With MLB postseason, NFL, and college football, and NHL in full swing, Bet Online is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. Get everything NBA at your fingertips with both desktop, desktop and mobile access for every sport anytime. 
Head to Bet Online today to get in on the action. Don't forget to use promo code Believe B L E A V to receive your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Um, so obviously, you. I think most fans, many fans. I don't want to say most because there are many fans I don't speak for, but a sizable portion of the fan base uh, obviously preferred and wanted Emmanuel quickly to get an extension uh, to tie him down and um, give him a sense of security going into the season. I was one of those fans. I think that was, and still feel that would have been the optimal path to pursue. Um, And it kind of sucks that he's not getting that extension because I do think he's earned it. He's been, in many ways, the Knicks' most impactful player uh, over the last three seasons. He has been a massive net positive for them. He has been, he's completely outperformed his draft position. And uh, you want to see guys like that get rewarded. Unfortunately, this is not just about rewarding guys who deserve it. Um, You're managing a lot of things. And the business of basketball is what it is. And I think there's two sides of this. for the Knicks, I think they probably, I'm not saying this with any complete sourcing, um, but uh, I think it's reasonable to guess the Knicks made some type of offer, say around $480 million, $490 million. Something in that ballpark, I think, is a reasonable assumption to assume they made. Um, do I think that is what he is truly worth, uh, you know, given the NBA market. No, I think he's worth more. But for the Knicks, I think that's a reasonable price point to go at, um, given that they would say, hey, look, we we love you. We think you're great. We know all the, you know, all the winning that you help us do. We appreciate that. We, we respect you for it. And this is telling us that we respect you for it and that we appreciate your contributions. Um, at the same time, I think they would reasonably look at it and be like, hey, look, we're paying Jalen Brunson whatever we're paying him, right? He got a four-year, $104 million contract last summer. We'll just I know it's a descending contract, but let's just call it $26 million a year. Uh, that's He'll probably opt out of that after the 2024-25 season, so you're looking at paying him again then um, at, a, at a much higher number. I think they would also look at it and be like, well, we have our starting lineup. You're not part of it, so you're not a starter. And you know, I don't want to sit here and debate, should he start? You know, uh, who should who who would not start in that scenario? Uh, any of that. The reality is, he isn't going to start, and um, that has to affect what they are willing to give him as a contract. Okay. Now, um, I'm not saying this is great. I, I personally think that, like, if he if he would have done for 100 million, I think I would have been comfortable doing that. Um, or I would have been comfortable. I don't think I would have been comfortable doing that. I've suggested previously, if you did like five, 115 million, so you're paying him less on the average annual value, but you are giving him more guaranteed money than anybody else in the team. Maybe that gets it done. I have no idea how these things work. I don't know what exactly was offered, but I do think from the reporting we heard, 40 million was a number they were willing to, they, they were comfortable at. I would guess that they were willing to go a little bit above that if that secured an extension. So let's call it again for 90, I think is maybe the top end of that range. I think if you're quickly and his camp, you would look at this and you'd be like, okay, well, Jaden McDaniels just signed for five years, 136 million. Devin Vassell just signed for five years, 135 million. 
I have been every bit as good and probably better than both those guys over the duration of our career so far in the NBA. Um, I was the runner-up in six-man of the year last year, and I think I don't really give a shit what anybody says. Like He was the six-man of the year last year. He was definitely better than Malcolm Brogdon. Um, and I deserve more than that. I, I should be at least, I should make as much money as those guys. That's, that's what I deserve. Now, would he have come down from that a little bit? Maybe. I think I, I would like to believe that he would have come down from that a little bit. Let's say that's, but maybe, let's say he would have come down from that a little bit. Okay. If the Knicks weren't willing to go to 4 100 and he, He's starting from a place where, well, I should be at least getting as much as, look, let's go with R.J. Barrett. R.J. Barrett got four years, $107 million, So that's $26.75 million a year, uh, which is basically on par with what Vassell and McDaniels got, except they got an additional year, right? They got the fifth year. I think he could look at those three contracts and say, hey, look, I deserve to be on, on par with these guys. Look at the numbers. Look at the impact metrics. Look at all the advanced stats. I deserve to be in that in that range. I deserve to be paid like this. And for the Knicks, if you're looking at it, you might be like, you deserve it, but, um, you know, to quote the wire, deserve ain't got nothing to do with it. Um, it, it's about what we, what can we get away with paying you, right? How can we get you at the number that we want you? And if we can't get you the number we want you, how far are we willing to extend ourselves? And I do think that that, 27 and a half or 27, whatever you want to call it, that number pushed them. If that was what his ask was, which I think is reasonable, by the way, like I, I don't really have a problem with him asking for that because one, I think players should ask for what they are, what they feel they're worth, um, especially if it's within reason. And two, um, this is money time. This is cash out time. This is time for you to secure generational wealth for you and your family. And that's what it is. Um, I think the Knicks could look at that and say, okay, well, even if we think you're worth that, we are not comfortable giving you that right now. I think they would reasonably point at the playoffs and be like, well, you were great in the regular season. You were, let's say, what we think you were the sixth man of the year. You got robbed. But when we got to the playoffs, your offense fell off a cliff. And yeah, you can, your on off was still great and your impact and all, sure. But like, we needed you to, to step up and help us offensively and, and really continue the, the tear you were on and instead you cratered offensively in a way that really hindered us um and for that reason like we we're not comfortable paying you basically like a quality starter right we we're, we're not comfortable extending ourselves like that and we are already paying Jalen Brunson and like at the end of the day like it doesn't matter what I think um if they aren't viewing him as somebody who's going to move into that starting lineup, then it's tough to to go there. Um, now, if you want to bring up, like, well, the, he should start over R.J. Baird, and fine. Like, I'm not – I think there's all these valid arguments for that. But if you're the Knicks, you have to be like, okay, well, so this is what we're not comfortable going, going for. At the same time, we – like, I think – quickly can reasonably bet on himself, right? So now I think his goal for this year is pretty straightforward. Okay, I need to do what I did last year in the regular season, hopefully even improve on that. And then when we get to the playoffs, 
I've got to make it happen. I've got to have quality moments of carrying over my performance from the regular season into the higher level of basketball that is the NBA postseason. Um, and I think what's instructive in a lot of ways is Jalen Brunson. Uh, look, Jalen Brunson obviously is a New York Nick. He became a New York Nick because Dallas would not pay him. Now, one of the reasons Dallas didn't pay him, okay, if you go back before the 2021-22 season, his last year in Dallas, the year before, in the playoffs, he was really bad to the point that Rick Carlisle basically had to bench him. Dallas did not even offer him the four-year, $55 million max extension that was available to offer to him at that time. They famously did not offer it to him up until after the trade deadline. After the trade deadline, they offered it. Why? Because they're trying to protect their asset. Um, then Jalen Brunson goes to the playoffs. And as state would have it, Luka misses the first three games. Jalen Brunson says, no big deal. I got this. Balls out for three games. Uh, helps Dallas grab a 2-1 lead in his absence, and they go on to win the series. He obviously has a really nice playoff run. He has good moments against Phoenix. He had good moments against Golden State. Um, so Brunson demonstrates on the cusp of his free agency, I, I'm not just a good player in the regular season. I have now demonstrated that I can translate this to the highest levels of basketball. Obviously, we saw that last year in New York um, with his postseason run. And in his case, he's an unrestricted free agent versus a restricted free agent in Quickly's case. So he has the leverage to basically, if he wants to go anywhere, he can just go. There's no, nothing stopping him. Dallas obviously wouldn't pay him what he what the Knicks would, and therefore he became a Nick. Now, furthermore, I think it's worth noting that Brunson had good regular seasons. He had a good regular season track record. And when he hit unrestricted free agency, he was coming off of a very, very good playoff run. I think he averaged 21, 5, and 4 or something like that. Um, and on good efficiency, 58 true shooting, whatever. It was good. It was, we, we don't need to discuss the specifics. We know Brunson was, a, had a very good playoff on his final year in, in Dallas. Now think back to when the Knicks signed Jalen Brunson to four years, $104 million. Think back to that. What was the reaction? It was not universally glowing. It was not universally positive. Sure. There were some people that were like, no, this is a good contract. He's a solid starting point guard. Look where the cap is going. Look at what his, average salary is going to be all as a percentage of the cap. Oh, yeah, there were all those arguments, but there were plenty of people that were like, mm, I don't know, like it's, 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 it still feels like, and that's coming off of a great playoff run. It's coming off a great playoff run. I'm not, Emmanuel quickly, much like Jalen Brunson was a later draft pick. He is a player who I think many fans, myself included, feel has been underrated. Um, certainly by the general broad NBA media and even at times by his own coach, his own team, his own front office, whatever. Okay. Very similar to Jalen Brunson. I think it's also fair to acknowledge that quickly like Brunson, and I know his first time in the playoffs, he was a rookie, but his first two go goes in the playoffs have not been great for him. He's struggled to carry over his, scoring, his play style, whatever you want to call it, into that higher level of basketball, that higher intensity, higher focus level. I think that's a valid criticism. 
And I think that's a valid concern to bring up. And why I bring this up is look at Jalen Brunson. Look at what he got. Look at what he had to do to get that contract. And even then, there were so many skeptics of it. There was not some robust market for him that we know of. Um, granted, you could say, well, the Knicks scared off other teams because everybody knew he was going to New York. Sure. Um, but he was available at the trade deadline. Nobody made that move. Like the point being is quickly taking a risk too, in the sense of if he thinks there's a higher market out there for him, which there might be, there certainly might be. I mean, we know that they're analytically inclined teams. I'm sure looking at Emmanuel quickly and see him as somebody that you can steal for cheap. And more importantly, I mean, not more importantly, but to, to kind of build on that, Zach Lowe has mentioned previously that there are teams that are trying to that try to poach Emmanuel quickly for the Knicks. So I do think they are appreciators of him around the league. What do they appreciate him at, though? What number do they appreciate him at? And the risk he's taking is this, right? I think if I have a good po- playoff, I and I have a good season, I have a good playoffs, I get to a higher number. I get to the number I want. Maybe I get to a number even higher than what I want because that's just how good I am, how good my season goes. That's certainly possible. I don't think that's out of the realm of, you know, uh, it's not something crazy. But it's also possible, let's say he has the same season he had last year, great regular season, struggles in the playoffs. Is that higher number going to be out there for him? I'm very doubtful of it because I don't think teams would be then look at him and feel comfortable being like, well, we don't think this guy is just a good player. We think he is a good point guard, our our point guard for the long-term future that um, can can help take us to the next level. And when we get to that next level, we'll be able to operate there you know, as a quality performer. It would be hard to make that bet if he does not have a good playoffs next year. Um, and that's the risk he's taking because it's possible we get there again and he doesn't struggling from the field. He doesn't make shots, whatever. Um, that's possible. You have to accept that. That's part of the risk he's taking. Now, I will say, I don't think his downside risk here is that significant. If the Knicks were offering, you know, like I mentioned at the start of the pilot, they were offering 480, 490 million. I think one, they would offer that to him next year if he's still on the team. And two, I think that, let's say they wouldn't. Let's say they're like trying to play hardball now because they can. Uh, I think that he can probably convince a team to give him that offer sheet. And worst case scenario, the Knicks would match. Um, or they wouldn't match for whatever reason. He Either way, I think he's going to get that money. I don't think that's a huge risk. The guy has three years of play that shows that he's a massive on-court positive um, when he shoots well, when he doesn't shoot well, because of all the value provides defensively uh, as a anc- ancillary piece. The fact that he can toggle between on-ball and off-ball, that he can fill in for Jalen Brunson or play off of Jalen Brunson. All these things that he can do add value, and I think that will always give him a stable floor in terms of what he commands. But the top end stuff, like the the number that he's looking at, right, which is not a max, okay, five the five one thirty five that Jaden or that Devin Vassell got, and the five one thirty six that Jaden McDaniel's got. Like th- these are not max contracts, but they're a lot closer to that reality than whatever quickly was offered, right? So I think it's a tough call, and I also understand. Like I want to be very clear with this. I do think if for 100 where he gotten it done. 495. Let's say let's say it would have been 495 or 496 right over If that would have gotten it done, I think the Knicks should have done it. If they could have done 5115, I think the Knicks should have done it. Like I think there were numbers where they just should have pulled the trigger even if it was a little bit above what they wanted 
because locking him in, I think, has more value to you than the current status quo, which is like he's still on your team. And I I want to shout out uh, Jonathan Macri in his newsletter today. He you know he mentioned that like if you combine Emmanuel quickly uh, with Evan Fournier's salary, you can effectively take on players that uh, make up to our, our salary that makes that adds up to at least twenty eight point eight million dollars. And I do think that's interesting. Um, I will also say that I'm not sure how much to take from that in the sense of this. Here are some of the names, okay, of guys that make that type of money. So this is just under $28.8 million. Okay, I'm just going to read off these guys' individual salaries. DeMar DeRozan, Jordan Poole, Jeremy Grant, Jaron Jackson Jr., not getting him, Tyler Hero, Cameron Johnson, Kuzma, John Collins, Brooke Lopez, Mike Conley, Wiggins, Anthony Simons, Jordan Clarkson, Terry Rozier, Malcolm Brogdon. Okay, Malcolm Brogdon makes 22.5. DeMar DeRozan makes 28.6. All those guys are in between that. Would you trade? How many of those guys would you not just trade Emmanuel quickly and Evan Fournier for, right? How many of them actually make this team better? How many of them make this team better in the short and the long term? I don't know. I, I genuinely don't. I mean, if you could tell me you get Jaron Jackson Jr. and then you're going to make some other moves, like, sure, okay, fine. I get that. Um, like, oh, we're going to get Jaron Jackson Jr. and then we'll trade Randall for player X. Or, okay, fine. Like, if you want to, fine. Maybe if that was possible, sure. But I don't think Memphis is going to do that. They already have Desmond Bain, John Morant, and Marcus Smart now. Why, they, why would they want another guard? They wouldn't. Um, if you want to say Jeremy Grant, well, like, look, one, I disagree. Two, Portland, another team. Why would they want another guard? This is why they wanted to trade Damian Lillard and why they didn't want Tyler Hero, right? They have Scoot. They have Anthony Simons. They have Shaden Sharp. Why would they want Emmanuel quickly, who they then have to pay? At the start of the field, I don't know. I don't think that really makes sense to them. Um, Jordan Poole, I, I know he killed us in the preseason and he has moments, but like, I, do you really see Jordan Poole as a guy that the way this team plays and the way Tom Thibodeau is, that that would make sense? I don't. Andrew Wiggins would be a name. That's interesting. Uh, I will continue to bang the drum that if you trade for a wing, if you trade quickly in a package for a wing, it kind of makes your roster a little bit cluttered, and I'm not sure how. You'd have to make subsequent moves to make that work, but Wiggins might be a guy where it's like, okay, like I, I'm still a little bit suspect over just how good Wiggins is outside of playing with Steph Curry, which makes everybody look good, but like, you could at least talk me into Talk me into the Knicks viewing that as maybe this is an opportunity, especially considering he's locked in on a pretty nice contract. Aside from that, I don't see it. Like Jordan Clarkson, good player, but is that what the Knicks are going to do? I mean, I, I'd be surprised. Terry Rozier, is that your guy? No. Malcolm Brogdon, no. Like John Collins, no. Brooke Lopez, no. Kuzma, Kuzma and Randall make no sense together. Like I, I just don't see it. And so. I think what ends up happening is I think the Knicks are going to play this out. And I think quickly is going to play this out. And I think that it's all going to happen in New York. Um, now, is there a player who becomes available that maybe changes that calculus? Let's say that uh, 
let's say the Bulls are having a disaster season, and all of a sudden they're like, hey, look, just give us Fournier, RJ, and quickly for Zach Levine. Would the Knicks do that? I don't know. I wouldn't do that. I know that. I would suspect the Knicks wouldn't do that, but I can't say that for sure. I, I don't know that. Let's say the Clippers are having their disaster season, and they say, hey, we'll give you Paul George. Give us Quick and RJ and Fournier. Right? And I'm, I'm, I'm bringing up RJ because he, he would need to go effectively to make the salaries work. Yes, you can say, well, they could do Hartenstein. They could throw in a, Yeah, they would, but that would create significant gaps in the rotation, multiple gaps in the rotation. Um, and I feel like if you're getting, if you're trying to get a Paul George or a Zach Levine, you're trying to go for it now. So creating more gaps in your rotation makes less sense than than putting in RJ, who presumably like you're acquiring one of these players to upgrade at that starting wing position, which would be his. Um, and like if you want my honest opinion, I would guess that the Knicks value Quentin Grimes more so than RJ Barrett. Right or wrong? Agree, disagree. I think that's what they believe. Um, so, like, yeah, there are scenarios where you could see quickly get traded. I just don't think they're very likely in season. And honestly, that's why a little bit why I'm, a little bit why I'm surprised that they didn't come to an extension, even if they had to extend themselves a little bit, because we know that they want to keep themselves flexible, that they want good salary on their books to, to be able to move, to be able to be players in the free, or not, sorry, not the free agent market, the trade market. Uh, whenever the time comes for superstar X, who finally is the one that they're going to pull the trigger on. Right. Um, let's say that's, if it is Joel Embiid, who obviously has been rumored uh, heavily to be a, uh, the apple of their eyes. Like, do you think Joel Embiid is going to get traded in season? I would be shocked. I would be shocked. We talked about this last night uh, on the podcast with uh, Trill Bro Dude, and I would be stunned, honestly, if they traded him in season because I don't think Maury... Maury is obsessed with stars. That's always been his thing. Once he has one, he's very, very low to give them up. And if he is going to give them up, he wants something. He either wants a star back or he wants a package that he can then parlay into stars, right? Would he want, and would the Knicks, I mean, forget that part of it. Like he just, I don't think he's going to trade Joel Embiid in season for a package of stuff. Like, I I think he's going to play it out. He's going to hope that one Tyrese Maxey hits another level this season. Very possible. And I think he's going to hope that whatever he ends up trading James Harden for, Whatever package, right? Let's say it's Terrence Mann in a first. That's the one that apparently he's been holding out for, right? I think he's holding out hope that, okay, I can take Mann and I can go get another first from another team for him. Now I have three firsts to trade and I will then use this to go get it. Like, I think that is what he's hoping for, right? I don't think he has any intention of trading Joel Embiid right now. And I don't really think that Joel Embiid is going to force a trade in season. I don't. I think that he's willing. I think he's going to play the season out. Give this whole thing a chance. Give Maury a chance, and give Nick Nurse a chance. New coach, right? And see how it goes. Now, next summer, sure, he may be on the trade market, but guess what? Now the math for trading quickly becomes a lot harder if you because you didn't extend it. So now he's a restricted free agent, and I don't want to get into the nitty gritty of why the math is weird, but just know the math is a lot harder. If you want to get the nitty gritty on it, go talk to Jeremy Cohen on Twitter. He'll he'll educate you. Um, 
But the math becomes a lot harder now to include him in a trade for Joel Embiid and include him in a signing trade. And so they're in this weird position now where it's like, okay, well, we want Joel Embiid, but we can't include him in quickly. In most most constructions that you could dream up, they're not going to be able to include him in that in that trade. So now, UA, okay, let's say Quick has the season that he hoped he could have, right? Good regular season, strong playoff performance. Now he's entering the restricted free agency market, and he's going to get the offer. Let's he's going to get the Jaden McDaniel's number, all right? Let he's earned it. Some other team comes in. The other team can only give him four years, right? They're going to give him the number. Are the Knicks really going to let him walk for nothing? I would be stunned. I'd be stunned because this is not just like, this is, it is the Brunson thing. If you let him go, if you let him go for nothing, you have now created a significant gap in irritation. And the people that will like dismiss the impact numbers and, oh, they just want to point to the playoffs and all this stuff. It's like, it's, it's nonsense. If you don't think Emmanuel quickly losing him for nothing, if you think losing him for nothing, would just be something you can easily brush off. You are fucking sick, and you are probably not great at understanding basketball. If you lose him for nothing, that's a massive problem. So I don't think they would let him just walk. Would they engage in a signing trade? Maybe, but guess what? Go go look at some of the restricted free agent signing trades over the last few years. Go look at those. Go tell me what those packages are. And you tell me if the returns, those kind of returns, if that helps at all in the Knicks' ultimate goal of acquiring a superstar. They don't. They don't. Tell you that right now. They do not. Go look at what Grant Williams got. You can tell me he's better than Grant Williams, but look at what Grant Williams got. Go look at what Alonzo Ball got when he got signed and traded. And yeah, but don't, don't use what Lonzo Ball is now, which is a very sad story uh, with his injury history. Think about what people were willing to give up for Lonzo Ball at the time. Knicks fans, even. People loved Lonzo Ball. People really wanted him. And he was worth that contract when he was healthy, for sure. But look at what they got from him. I think they got like a second-round pick. They got jack shit for him. You don't get good stuff for restricted free agents to sign and trade. So, you know, and, and I know people will bring up, oh, Colin Sexton got included in a sign and trade for Donovan Mitchell. And yes, that, that happened. Um, but the math is very hard. It's very, very difficult. And remember, that dragged on all the way until Labor Day. I don't think Emmanuel Quickly is waiting until Labor Day to get a payday. I, I think that's going to happen sooner than that. So that decision, if, if they want Joel Embiid, guess what? Daryl Morey, even if he's going to trade him next summer, you're kidding yourself if you think that's going to happen like that. No shot. That'll drag on. Because the way he's going to see it is, that's great if even if Joel Embiid wants to go to New York and New York makes a strong offer, there is no harm. He'll probably see it as there's no harm in me waiting. I'll probably, I, I can probably get the same offer or similar offer from New York anytime. Let me see if somebody else wants to make a, make a, make a play for Joel. Let's see. Let's see what happens. So I, I guess where I'm at with it is like, I don't love it. I don't. I think it's a mistake and I think they should have extended him. I don't know the specifics. Nobody knows the specifics. Okay. Nobody knows what was offered, what he asked for, what the discrepancy was, why it didn't happen. We don't know the specifics of it. So even if I think it's a mistake, I can't say for sure. Like I, if, I'll tell you this, like if he wanted the Janie McDaniels number, 
I would have been like, hey, I understand why you want it. And I think in a vacuum, you're worth it. But we can't give that to you right now. I would have felt that way. If that was a hard line, hey, I need to have this number, then it, I'm sorry, I can't do that for you right now. Go have another season. Let's see how you do in the playoffs. We'll talk about it next summer. We still love you. All that shit. All that we're, we're still good, but we can't give you that number right now. I would have said that, I, and I love Emmanuel quickly as much as anybody. Um, but I don't think you could do that until you see him play the way he does or how he plays in the playoffs. And I know that Vassell hasn't done anything in the playoffs because he literally hasn't been in the playoffs. And I know Jada McDaniels hasn't done. I mean, he did play well against Memphis, but. Uh, I know in, in 2022, but I, he didn't play last year because he literally punched a fucking wall and broke his hand in a playing game. I understand all that. Those guys are also wings. Wings get paid. Wings get paid in this league. This is like position, position matters. We, I, I'm like of, I consistently am of the opinion that size and, and the measurements are overrated in terms of, valuing what players actually do on the floor. But when it's time, I'm just talking about how NBA teams do it, when it's time to get paid, wings get paid. Guards, like, quickly are valued, but they aren't going to get a huge payday. I mean, just looking at that list that I said earlier, right? Say what you want about these players, and I think it's fun to to meme and make fun of Tyler Hero uh, since he plays for Miami, but, like, Tyler Hero won six man of the year before he signed his contract. He was like a 20 point per game scorer. Uh, I think I want to say five assists. Like he, he's, he had a really good offensive season. And I know the defensive concerns with him. If you ask 30 NBA executives, who's a better player in a vacuum, Tyler Hero or Emmanuel Quickly, I'm, I am telling you that number is not unanimous. And it would not surprise me at all if Hero gets more votes than Quickly. Whether you agree or disagree, I bet you that's the reality. If you think that the if you think the hero contract or the pool contract, right? If you think those contracts are egregious overpays right now and have aged poorly, I would posit to you that NBA teams view those guys, right or wrong, as similar caliber players at the point in their careers as quickly as. And if you think and if they think those contracts are not great, then they will consider paying him the J.D. McDaniels number, the Devin Vassell number, a real risk. Um, so I, I don't really, I don't feel this is straightforward. I think there's a lot of variables at play. I don't, I'm not really interested in villainizing any party. Um, like, I don't care that Emmanuel quickly wants to get paid. I don't think that's selfish. I think that's being a fucking pro. That's That's literally what people do in every, any industry, you try to get paid what you think you're worth, as much as you think you can get paid, right? That's what people do. He's definitely entitled to that. I think he's earned the right to ask for that type of number, given how he's played for this team, given his importance to the team, the spirit he plays with, the fact that he plays all the time, he does not miss games, um, that he does everything that's asked of him, that he's a great teammate, all those things, he deserves to ask for that money. The Knicks have to balance a lot of things. They might love Emmanuel quickly and think he's worth that in a vacuum, but they don't exist in a vacuum. You know, you're paying Brunson, you're paying Randall. Those guys probably need to get new contracts in two years. You've still got RJ Barrett in your books. 
Mitchell Robinson, these guys are going to get paid. You also have a Quentin Grimes contract extension potentially coming down the pipeline next summer. And say what you will, like, I think this this situation with Quickly should be a little bit instructive to them about what Grimes might ask for, what Grimes might want. And hell, you want to throw a Devin Vassell and Jaden McDaniels out there, Quentin Grimes is going to look at that number too. I promise you that. He's going to look at that number and be like, well, let's say if the Knicks have a good season especially and he's in that starting lineup, he's going to look at that and be like, well, I'm, I'm a starter on your team. I have made this starting lineup a positive. I did that. That this, this starting lineup with the four other guys was terrible when you started Evan Fournier. It was terrible when you started Cam Reddish last year. Then you put me in, and it worked. I made that work. So now you need to pay me what that's worth. He's going to look at that number, too. And so you're kidding yourself if you think the Knicks aren't weighing this stuff. Okay, so every dollar counts. And I don't think it's a coincidence that the Knicks were kicking the tires on OG and OB at the trade deadline, that they kicked the tires on Zach Levine and Paul George this summer. I would venture to guess that they don't, that based on how RJ Barrett played last year, um, yes, and I know the playoffs were good. I'm not definitely not taking that away from it at all. I mean, that's the biggest reason I think that anybody should, that people should have optimism about RJ Barrett moving forward because I don't think the regular season performance of his last year was indicative of what he's capable of. Um, and it was obviously great to see him play much better when, you know, shit hit the fan in the playoffs. Like that, there's no way around that. He played better. Um, but if you, if you ask the Knicks, like, do you think that RJ Barrett is, did he deliver on, on the extension, I know the extension isn't kicking until this year, right? But you're now you're in the extension year. If he if he delivered that season, this upcoming year, how would you feel about that? I don't think they'd feel great about that. So I don't think it's a coincidence that they were looking at you know those guys. And I do think RJ Barrett would have been an outgoing piece in those deals. So this is all to say, like the dollars matter, and they are working in fine margins. And especially when you consider the implications of the new uh, CBA with the first tax apron and the second tax apron and all the different restrictions that it puts in, these are things you have to weigh very consistently or very carefully, I should say, rather. Um, so I, I think this is complicated. I think that I, I would venture to guess that both parties negotiated in good faith. Like, I do think the Knicks want to keep him. I do think the Knicks value him. And I'm not saying that that means they'd never trade him. But I do think they value him as a player who helps make the team tick and definitely makes them a better team on the floor. And I do think they value him, obviously, retaining him because he's a good player and therefore you want to keep good players and at some point maybe parlay them into better players. I'm sure they value him as a trade asset also. But it's not, it's, again, it's not that simple. Just because you like a guy and you value the guy doesn't mean you can pay him what he wants to be paid. Um, and then also, again, like I don't blame quickly for trying to get every dollar he can get or every dollar that he thinks he's worth because that's the name of the game for these players. You know, they only have so many years in their career um, and they need to do what they can do to maximize their profitability. So um, that's kind of where I'm at with it. And I don't, I think the last part of this too is I know that there's some concerns about like the vibes and and all that stuff and like I would 
I don't want to say I'm going to dismiss that entirely because I am like uh, very into the vibes. That's definitely a big part of what I do. I don't think this is going to do much to the vibes. Going to be completely honest with you. Quickly spent all of last summer being thrown around in trade rumors for Donovan Mitchell. He was even included in what was reportedly the final trade offer that the Knicks made. Him and RJ Barrett, for that matter. Okay. Um, we also know that for the first half of last season, he was constantly in trade rumors. Right? Oh, the Knicks are shopping quickly. The Knicks are listening in quickly. That was constant refrain. How serious that stuff was, I've always been skeptical. Like, I think there's a very big difference between we will listen versus we are looking to shop this guy around. And even with all that, and even after you know the start of the season, he was probably not playing the minutes he wanted, not getting the role he wanted. He was still kind of second in command to Derrick Rose when they were on the floor together. Even with all that, he truly like had a spectacular season for the Knicks. And even when he shot poorly throughout the year, his impact metrics were still through the roof, and they were only got stronger as the year got on because his offense came around. And I'm not worried about that part of it because I, I think, if anything, why would you be worried about it? He's betting on himself. He is betting on himself now. There is no reason to believe that he's not going to want to put his best foot forward. And that, if that's the case, might make the decision even harder for the Knicks. Because if he's playing great, guess what the Knicks want to do this year? They want to win ballgames. Because their coach is Tom Thibodeau, and the position they're in, they want to win ballgames. They want to continue to be a solid playoff team, and they want to make themselves attractive consistently to stars who are looking to leave and, and get to a better place. So to them, winning is important. Quickly is as impactful to that as anybody's been, again, over the last three years of his career. That's just the reality. Like, his numbers, plus-minus, on-off, net rating, all that stuff is among the best in the league over that time. Now, whether you think that says he's a, one of the best players in the league or he's benefiting from the role or whatever, like the, there's no question he's super impactful. That's the reality. Knicks want to win games. He's going to play a lot. Um, I don't think Tom Thibodeau gives a fucking shit about the contract negotiations and well you know if i pick play quick a lot and he's playing great that he might ask for more money like i don't think he cares about that he's going to play who he thinks gives him the best chance to win now we also know tom thibodeau doesn't always nail that decision right no coach does but we know tom thibodeau doesn't always come to the right decision as far as who is actually helping him win games the most um but I do think he appreciates quickly. He's been pretty vocal about that throughout the preseason. Um, and I do think last year, I mean, say what you want about the playoffs. And look, I think it's reasonable for him to have lost some faith in quickly while he was struggling at the start of that series. Do I think he lost a little bit too fast? Yeah, I do. But I get it. Um, and I did a whole video about it. And I actually think it was about to turn in that heat series. I think he was realized he needed quick and it was about to turn. Quick got hurt. Um, but the second half of last year quickly closed a ton of games over R.J. Barrett. A ton of games. You don't, like, he, he was closing games. He was consistently in the closing lineup. You don't, Tom Thibodeau isn't doing that unless he trusts you, unless he values you as a player. How he values players and the way he shows it is very odd, and I think that's where discrepancy comes between fans and, like, him in terms of, well, he doesn't value quickly, and it's like, no, I think he does. He just kind of weird about how he does it. Um, but last year was a big year for quickly in establishing that trust, right? Especially in the sense of when Brunson went down at various points, 
Quickly was the guy. And it wasn't just he was the guy. Like, when he started, he basically played the entire fucking games. Because we know that Deuce McBride is apparently a Tom Thibodeau favorite. Tom Thibodeau might love him. Tom Thibodeau does not trust that man to run an offense, to play point guard yet. Maybe that changes this year. You know, there were some good signs from Deuce in the, in the preseason. The preseason is what it is. It is preseason. Um, I think we, I think we saw last year a lot of evidence that Tibbs really does value quickly, whether you agree with kind of how much he does or not. So I'm not too worried about his minutes, not too worried about his role. And if he's playing well, I really struggle to see them making a move because again, like, if you're trading, let's say, like, like forget Zach Levine and, and Paul George, right? Let's talk about it. Like, if they if they were interested in OG and Obi, okay, we want to trade for OG and Obi. We're going to trade quickly, and Fournier, the number, right? That number gets you into the Ananobi range, whatever. Do you think Masai is just taking quickly and Fournier for Ananobi? I mean, based on how he's valued him, I would be shocked. Do you think the Knicks are going to start tossing in multiple firsts for OG and Obi? I would be skeptical, and I don't think the protected picks move the needle much, especially not from Asai Ujiri. And, and I will further say this. I've consistently said this, so I don't feel like I'm going back on this. If they did, let's say they did just make that trick, Fournier and Quick for OG and Obi straight up. I think that team has worked worse than Knicks. I think their roster is a lot more ill-fitting. I don't buy this Dante DiVincenzo can run point guard thing. I don't buy that Deuce McBride is an NBA caliber point guard yet, even off the bench. And I don't trust Tom Thibodeau to stagger Brunson and Randall effectively enough to offset the drop-off you'd have if you go from quickly backing up Brunson to DiVincenzo or Deuce McBride. And I think that team is worse. And you're going to have to demote one of R.J. Barrett or Quentin Grimes, and guess what? I think it's not going to be the guy that's making $27 million. I don't. So now, okay, you got OG and Obi. This is great. You're gonna, one, you're going to pay OG. And guess what? OG's going to get paid more than Emmanuel quickly. I promise you that. Two, now you've benched Quentin Grimes. How do you think that contract negotiation next time with Quentin Grimes is going to go? How do you think? I don't think it's going to go too well. I think it's going to go pretty fucking bad, actually. And for that reason, I just don't think the OG thing makes sense unless it is literally like Fournier and picks or Fournier. Like, I, I just don't see that happening. I don't. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm being naive. But we saw this play out with Mitchell Robinson a couple years ago. You know, and I know the situation was different. He got hurt during the 2020-21 season. Didn't play to close it out. He had a long rehab. Um and he was not in shape to start the 21-22 season, but they had a chance to extend him that summer. They chose not to. They extended, they exercised the player option, and that gave him the option to enter unrestricted free agency after the 2021 or yeah after the 2021-22 season, which he did. Nick still brought him back, right? They retained him. They kept in touch with him. They kept him whatever in the fold, whatever you want to call it, and brought him back. I'm not going – I think if you're already closing the book on this is definitely quickly as last year in New York, they're going to move him by the trade deadline or whatever you think is going to happen, I think that's off. I think you're rushing to judgment, and I think this front office has operated a lot more – they've operated with cool heads um, in these situations more so than 
um, definitely previous New York front offices. So I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't write the obituary for quickly New York. I do think obviously there's every chance he could get traded. I think there's every chance everybody in this team other than Jalen Brunson can get traded, to be honest. Um, so that doesn't really say much to me. We'll see what happens. Uh, I am still pretty excited to watch this team this year. I'm still pretty excited to watch Emmanuel Quickly this year. And I think both the team and him should have very good seasons. Will it be as good as Quickly needs it to be to get the payday he wants? I don't know. I think that's definitely worth considering. And it's also worth considering how the Knicks, if they do hang on to him past the trade deadline and he enters their secret free agency, obviously at that point, It'd be interesting to see how the Knicks handle it. I mean, they'd still have the option of extending it, extending in before he gets an offer sheet. I think that's still a possibility. You know, maybe Quick's like, hey, look, I can get this offer sheet. This, is, I know I can get this one. So I'm going to tell you right now, and if you want to just give me that number right now, I'll sign it. And, you know, we'll see what they do. Because the other thing you have to remember, if the Knicks have to match an offer sheet, they can't trade quickly for a year after that. That's how that works. They can't trade him for a year. So it cuts into your flexibility even more, which is kind of why I thought they would come to an agreement this to an extension, even if it was above where they were comfortable, which is what makes me maybe may, probably leads me to believe that maybe quickly wanted more than even I initially anticipated. Um, and maybe had a harder line on that than, than I anticipated. So, um, we'll see how it all turns out. Uh, again, I think if you want to freak out about this, go for it, but. Um, I think you should still be pretty excited about this next team. I think you should still be excited about watching quickly on this next team. I think you should still be excited about what they can do this season. Um, I'm not worried about the vibes. I'm not worried about his minutes. I'm not really worried about anybody's minutes. I think that stuff will figure itself out with injuries, foul trouble, various things that come up. So, um, obviously, Knicks start their season tomorrow night against Boston. Uh, I am looking forward to that as I am sure that many Knicks fans are. Um, I'm certainly looking forward to that more so than I am, uh, you know, uh, rumors about what would the Knicks be willing to offer for Joel Embiid the day before the season starts for the Knicks. Uh, I'm certainly more excited about it than that. So, yeah, just wanted to get that all off my chest. So, all right, that is uh, my show. Yeah, my show for today. Uh, I hope everybody has a great week. I hope the Knicks have a great week, great opening week. And I will see you on Friday. Oh, and also, thanks to our friends at Bet Online. Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean cellar. the mini fridge. Yeah, it's a mini yeah, it's fridge. It's a mini yeah. fridge. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.